Hello, and welcome to Kingwood United Methodist Church. Thank you for joining us today. Wherever you're listening from and whatever service you're listening to, we strongly believe because of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, there is always more life. Eternal God, show us your word and your covenant in your word and your grace in your covenant and your goodness in your grace and your love in your goodness and yourself in your love and all in the face of Jesus Christ, in whose name we pray. Amen. Also, shout out to all the Texas Tech fans out there, the best college football team in Texas as of now. Uh, You have been thoroughly rewarded for staying committed Tech fans, and you should bask in your glory today. Um, Quick announcement before we get going. Actually, two quick announcements. So September 25th, two Sundays from now, We're going to have a combined service again in the sanctuary. Uh, This floor, we were sold a faulty set of goods, so we got to tear the floor out and put a different one back in. So September 25th, we'll be out of here in the sanctuary on that Sunday. And then also on September 18th, we'll be having a prayer service in here at 4 p.m., a prayer service about the denominational affiliation just to seek the face of God before we vote. Uh, My name is Pastor Jeremy Bass. Great to be with you all here today. We're in the middle of our Shalom series. If you want to open up your Bibles, we're going to be in the book of Philippians, chapter 4. It's where we're looking at in this Shalom series about this idea of peace and this biblical theme of peace that's pervasive really all throughout Scripture. You see it throughout the Old Testament And you see that extended into the New Testament as well, this Hebrew word shalom meaning peace. And today we're looking at this idea of how do we have peace within our hearts? How do we have peace within our hearts that shalom, this Hebrew word, is not just about uh, the cessation of hostilities, but it's about this inward reality of our soul that we can have peace, we can have this confidence, this wholeness deep within us despite all that's going on in our world and all that's going on around us. Friends, I would argue that we are a people and a culture who are in desperate need of peace. I was looking at some post-COVID statistics and it said that between 28 to 37% of adults report having some type of anxiety symptoms, and 20 to 31% of adults report some type of depression symptoms. Now, friends, as we kind of come out of this pandemic and we come out of this sort of really traumatic thing that we've been through, that there's something that's off with our souls, there's something that's off about the inward reality of our souls. And I firmly believe, because I see it in the promises of Scripture, that God desires to bring restoration of our hearts. God desires to bring restoration and wholeness or shalom to our souls, to bring this inward peace deep within our souls. I've talked to you all before about my own personal struggles with anxiety, and so I know what it's like to have a troubled soul. I know what it's like to have a soul that is just so anxious all the time and can't seem to find peace. I remember there was this one time in college, I've shared this with you all before, when my anxiety was really bad. I read Psalm 34, 4, which says, I sought the Lord and he answered me. He delivered me from all of my fears. 
And I just had a breakdown in my college dorm room, and I was like, Lord, why can't that be me? It's this reality that I know what it's like to read about the promises of Scripture, to read about what the Lord says he's going to do with his people, and then seemingly finding your own personal life, the way that you're living in disconnect with the promises that we read about in our souls. But the promises of God are just that. Promises that we read about in Scripture are hope for a better future, hope of what God can do, hope of what God will do. As Paul says in Corinthians, all the promises of God are yes. And so our response is to say amen. Friends, my prayer today is as we look at this passage in Philippians that we can look at what is the process that Paul lays out that we can uh, apply to our own lives to bring this peace, bring this shalom, bring this inward disposition of our souls in alignment with God. So we're going to be reading Philippians 4, 4 through 9. This is probably a familiar passage for you if you've been in church for a while. But hear the word of the Lord. Rejoice in the Lord always. I will say it again, rejoice. Let your gentleness be evident to all. The Lord is near. Do not be anxious about anything, but in every situation, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your request to God. And the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. Finally, brothers and sisters, whatever is true, whatever is noble, whatever is right, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is admirable, if anything is excellent or praiseworthy, think about such things. Whatever you have learned or received or heard from me or seen in me, put it into practice, and the God of peace will be with you. The word of God for you and me, the people of God. Thanks be to God. Uh, The context of the book of Philippians, I think, is important for understanding this passage, which, quick aside, I thought up until I was in college that the book of Philippians was written to the Philippines. And it wasn't until I took my New Testament class that I was like, oh, this is not to a church in an island in the middle of nowhere. This is to Philippi, the ancient Roman city. That makes way more sense. (laughs) Unrelated to this message at all, but just a little fun fact about me. Um, So the book of Philippians was written to the church in Philippi, so that way no one else can have this misunderstanding that I did. Uh, The church of Philippi was an ancient Roman city, and it was uh, one of the, it was a military fortress type city. It was an important strategic city in the Roman Empire as it protected the plains of the Turkey area, Asia Minor. And so there was a lot of uh, Roman rule, Roman military, Roman might within that city. And the book of Philippians, the letter that Paul writes to the church in Philippi, is taking place not only to this Roman stronghold city, but it's being written during a time of persecution in the early church. Paul is literally writing the the book of Philippians while he is in chains in Rome, awaiting his death. It's most likely one of the last letters that Paul wrote, and the church in, in Philippi, the Philippian church, is experiencing persecution under Rome as well. This was most likely written during the reign of Emperor Nero, which if you know anything about Roman history, Nero wasn't a great guy. Uh, the Roman historian Tacitus said that what Nero would do is, during his persecution of the Christians, that he would light his garden at night 
with the Christians being burned at the stake. That that's who was persecuting the church during the time of Philippians. And Paul is writing this from prison. And it's within this context for both Paul and the Philippian church that Paul says, here's how you have peace. Which just seems to go against the way that we try to think about peace. The way that we try to find peace is let's get all the circumstances around us to be fine and then we'll have an inward peace within us. Let's fix all the stuff around us, and then we can have peace, whereas Scripture says you can have peace regardless of what is going on around you. You can have peace despite all the chaos around you. You can have peace no matter what you're going through because God is the one who is giving you the peace, not the circumstances that you find yourself in. This biblical peace, this biblical idea of shalom is about an inward disposition of our soul that transcends all of our external circumstances. So let's look, let's just dive into this text and look at the way that God shows us, the way that Paul shows us how we can have peace. Because of this passage is fundamentally about, it's the ability of the grace of Jesus to radically transform our souls for being a people whose lives are... Uh, shaped and formed by anxiety and fear to being people who are shaped and formed by an inward peace. That this is the hope of the grace of God, that we don't have to be a people of fear and anxiety and worry and striving, but we can be a people of peace because we know what Christ has done for us and what Christ can do in us. I'm reading this book by Dallas Willard. I think it's called Reformation of the Heart. It's something of the heart. Um, I started it this week, and I ran across, ran across this quote as I was reading, and Dallas Willard writes this, the greatest need of collective humanity is the renovation of our heart, that spiritual place within us from which the outlooks, choices, and actions have been formed by a world away from God. Now it must be Transformed. That our hearts, that the way that we look, the way that we see the world, that the disposition of our soul has been shaped and formed by this secular world that we live in. And so when things happen to us, when situations that are outside of our control happen to us, Willard argues that often what we do is we react from that secular place of understanding. That we try to control the circumstances around us and what Willard says is what we need is to have our hearts be shaped and formed and renovated by the grace of Jesus Christ so that we can truly be who God has called us to be. And that we need that transformation of our hearts and that can only come by doing it the way that God says we ought to do it. So in this passage, there's two types of peace that the Lord wants us to have, peace of the heart and peace of the mind. The first is peace of the heart. This is where the Lord wants us to find our shalom first, is to have a peace of the heart. Look, going back to the, uh, the book of Philippians, verses four through seven. Rejoice in the Lord always, I will say it again, rejoice. Let your gentleness be evident to all, the Lord is near. Do not be anxious about anything, but in every situation, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your request to God, and the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. That Paul here lays out the method 
through which we can find this inward peace. Rejoice always, I say it again, rejoice. Let your gentleness be made evident to all, the Lord is near. Thanks again for joining us for today's message. We will return to the sermon in a moment, but first, we would like to ask for you to rate, share, and subscribe to our podcast. We believe God is doing some amazing things here at KUMC, and your feedback helps our church to reach new listeners that we wouldn't otherwise be able to reach. Now, let's get back to the work. The Lord is near. What Paul means by that is sort of a two-edged sword, that the Lord is near in the sense of God is always with us. God is the closer than our very breath, as the scripture says, that because the Lord is near to us, we don't have to be afraid. But also he's talking about the nearness of the Lord in sort of this eschatological sense, this second coming, this uh, Jesus is going to come again, that each day we live is a day closer to Jesus coming back and making everything right. That to a church in the middle of persecution, they had this anchor for their souls that Jesus Christ is one day going to come and make all these people that are persecuting us and the Lord will judge them and bring justice in the middle of injustice. Now, there's this hope that Jesus will make everything right and they have this hope of eternal life, this hope of future glory in the middle of all that they're experiencing, in the middle of all their persecution. Paul says, the Lord is near. So rejoice. Do not be anxious. The Lord is near. Do not be anxious about anything, but in every situation by prayer and petition present your request to God. I think this verse is often misused. Um, I think it's, uh, have you ever had someone when you're like, oh, I'm just so worried, oh, I'm just so anxious, and they're like, well, just pray about it, and everything will be okay. Um, Sort of like this, you know, Prayer was like this, I don't know, do this and everything will work out, this magic silver bullet and everything will be fine. I think this passage has been used to say that idea, and I think that's a misunderstanding of what's going on here. I think what Paul is talking about here with this, don't be anxious about anything, but in every situation by prayer and petition, present your request to God. What Paul is talking about here is a lifestyle, a disposition of your heart to the Lord, It's not just do this one thing and everything will be right. Paul is talking about this reformation of your heart, this new habit to formulate. True piety, true Christian piety is about a longing to be in the presence of the Lord. And scripture tells us that this transformation of our soul can only happen when we seek the face of God. And I think this is what Paul is talking about here is this radical seek the face of God in every situation, no matter what is going on in your life, that we can find peace because we are seeking after God again and again and again and again. Don't be anxious, Paul says. And this word anxiety in the Greek is this idea of fear of an uncertain or possible future danger. Seem familiar? Is that, is that anything we're going through? This anxiety, this fear about the future, this fear about something that we can't control, this fear of the unknown. Paul says, don't worry about it. Don't worry about it. 
Why? Because you are presenting everything before the Lord. You are presenting everything before the Lord. God's solution, when we go through struggles in life, when we have these fears, when we have these anxieties, when we have these things that crop up, is not to white-knuckle, hold on to it as tight as we can until we get through the difficult season. What Scripture tells us to do is to live differently, to not white-knuckle, hold on tight to these things, but to open up our hands and give everything to the Lord in every situation, Every situation. I don't know about you, but my tendency is uh, not every situation, but just some situations. Uh, maybe the situations that when I've exhausted every other option on the earth, then I'll maybe turn to the Lord and ask for help then. Or maybe I'll just give the Lord the really difficult ones because maybe he doesn't really care about these small things. Or maybe uh, once everything has been exhausted, then I'll turn to the Lord. But what Paul says here is every situation, big or small, good or bad, that you are to give all of it to the Lord, that what Paul is saying is your habits, your lifestyle, the way in which you are in relationship with the Lord, the way in which you live your life is to always be looking to him, always be turning to him, always be seeking after the face of God. That's what Paul is talking about, this holy habit, this holy disposition, this different way to live. That this prayer and petition that Paul is talking about is not this root prayer that doesn't connect with our hearts and with our souls, but this soul-wrenching, travailing prayer that the church teaches and this prayer that we cry out alone in our bedrooms at night, that this cry that I cried out, Lord, why can't that be me? This prayer that desires to seek the face of God and be in his presence. That is what Paul is talking about, to seek after the Lord with all of your heart, with all of your mind, soul, and strength, as Jesus tells us to do. And when we give all of those things over to the Lord, all these troubles, all these worries, all these fears, all these things that we hold on to, instead of giving over to the Lord... When we give them over to him, we can find peace. When we present them to God, literally make them known to God. In other words, Lord, you have right to enter into the darkness of my soul. You have right to enter into the places that I need you to enter into. It's this idea of handing things over to the Lord. Whenever I do healing prayer with people, what I'll have them do is, healing prayer is kind of where people struggle with things and we get to kind of the root issue of what they're dealing with. And I'll have them picture themselves at the foot of the cross of Jesus. And what I'll say to them is, I want you to picture these struggles, these worries, these fears, these lies that you're holding on to. And I want you to picture yourself handing them over to Jesus or handing them over to the foot of the cross, laying them down at the foot of the cross to imagine yourself literally giving these things over to Jesus, giving these burdens over to Jesus. And we do it with thanksgiving. Doing it with thanksgiving means doing it knowing that God is good. Doing it knowing that God is not our enemy. That God is with us and God can be trusted and we're thankful for the peace that he will give us when we give all of these burdens over to him. And scripture says, in the peace of God, when we do this, when we form this holy habit, when we 
do this spiritual discipline over and over and over again, the peace of God, the peace of God which transcends all understanding will guard your heart and your mind in Christ Jesus. There's this divine exchange that happens when we do this. When we take our fears to God, when we take our worries, our anxieties, and genuinely surrender them to the Lord, he gives us this peace within our soul that transcends our ability to get it, that transcends our ability to understand. And the hard part about the Christian faith is uh, God doesn't always take the suffering away. Uh, God doesn't always take the suffering away. But what we see in Scripture is that we can have peace in the middle of suffering. We can have hope in the middle of suffering. We can have this inner joy in the middle of suffering because Paul was executed by Nero. The church of Philippi still experienced persecution under Nero. But Paul is saying that doesn't mean you can't have peace in the middle of it. That doesn't mean you can't have this inner sense of wholeness, this inner sense of shalom in the middle of suffering. And this shalom of God will dwell within our souls. Friends, this is not an automatic process. This is not a do it once, everything will be fine. It's not like, you know, ordering from Amazon, you just click once and everything's good. But it's this holy habit, this holy lifestyle, this different way of living. It's this process of learning to trust God. I think that's really what Paul is talking about here is live differently have your habits be different. It's this process where we learn to give things over to the Lord, where our first reaction isn't to exhaust every human option and then turn to God. It's this habit of when things happen to us, our first reaction is to go to the Lord in prayer. This is this lifestyle, this habit that Paul is getting at here. In every situation, we learn to trust God more and more. I have this Sweet picture for y'all. This is sweet baby Olivia, my little niece. This is my brother's little girl. Say, aw. Aw, she's adorable. Thank you. Uh, we went to my brother's house for Labor Day weekend to uh, just kind of be with them and meet sweet Olivia. And she was sleeping on uh, my chest, and she was holding my little, or her little hands were holding my finger, which is the best thing in the world, I think. Um, and she was just napping and being in my arms. And I was thinking about the sermon this week and what it's like to trust in the Lord. What is it like to have peace in the Lord? What is it like to have this inner peace that transcends understanding? I think it's a lot like this little baby sleep in my arms. That the world around us is still going on, that the chaos around us is still going on, that things are still happening in the world, but we know who we belong to. We know who's holding on to us. We know the one who has conquered death is holding on to us, and we can trust that we are safe in the arms of the Lord. That is this wholeness. That is this peace that the Lord wants to dwell within our hearts. Not only does God want us to have peace of the heart, he wants us to have peace in our minds. Peace in our minds, verses 8 through 9. Finally, brothers and sisters, Whatever is true, whatever is noble, whatever is right, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is admirable, if anything is excellent and praiseworthy, think about these things. Whatever you have learned or received or heard from me or seen in me, put it into practice, 
and the God of peace will be with you. Paul's saying, what are you setting your mind on? Are you setting your mind on these lies we tell ourselves? Are we setting our mind on the promises of God? Are we setting our minds on good, wholesome things? Are we setting our mind on the things of Christ and his hope and his scripture and the things that he says about us? Or are we setting our minds on our fears, our self-hatred? What is the inner monologue in your mind that you tell yourself over and over again? Is it what God says about you? Or is it the hurt and pain that you've experienced that others have said about you? This inner fear, this inner self-hatred that just repeats over and over and over again. I remember as I was going through uh, healing for my anxiety, one thing Erica would say to me is, uh, Jeremy, you need to set your mind on the things of God, not on the things of this world. Set your mind on what the Lord wants you to think about. Don't set your mind on these fears. It's about this holy habits, these holy dispositions of changing the way that we live, of changing the way that we do things. Alan Hood uh, heard this story from him. He was the president of IHOP University, which is not the pancake place. Uh, IHOP is International House of Prayer. I think I've shared this story before, Uh, but he said that revival happened Revival happened when they started renouncing self-hatred. When they started renouncing self-hatred, he said that they saw 7,000 healings and 1,500 people baptized. Friends, what are these lies that are running in your mind like a ticker tape? If we as the people of God want to have peace, we need to stop agreeing with these lies that originate from the pit of hell, that we are not loved, that we are not good enough, that God hates us, that our looks aren't good enough, that we don't make enough, whatever this lie it is that just seems to repeat in your mind over and over again, Paul says to renounce those, to stop thinking about those, but instead think about the truth of God. Think about what the Lord says about you. Think about the good things of God. And then Paul changes it up here. Instead of saying the peace of God will be with you, Paul says in verse 9, the God of peace will be with you. Because when God gives us peace, he doesn't do it from a long way away. He does it right by our side. That the peace of God dwells within us as we think about what the Lord says about us. And this method that scripture lays out, it seems simple, but yet it's often so hard to do because that's not the habit of our heart. We want the fruit of this, but we don't want the process to get the fruit. Scripture says that the method is just as important because God heals us in relationship. God gives us peace in relationship and communion. We want the fruit, but we don't want the fruit giver. We want the peace, but we don't want the peacemaker. Friends, if we want peace, we need to want the peacemaker as well. If we want fruit, we need to want the one who gives us fruit. This is about radically reshaping and reforming our hearts. As our band and communion stewards come back up, um, as I was praying about this, I felt the Lord give me a word of prophecy. And if I'm wrong, nobody dies, so it's okay. Um, And I felt the Lord say, that for us in this congregation, there needs to be a reclaiming of enemy territory within our souls. That we have let the enemy 
We have let fear reign in our hearts for far too long. And that if we desire to be a people of peace, we need to repent of those lies, repent of those sins, and lay those lies and those sins at the foot of the cross in order to receive the peace of God, to receive the promises of God, receive his truth, his spirit, his transforming power. And to do that today, to repent today, to turn around, to choose to live differently, and to live into the freedom that God wants us to live, because Jesus' way of doing things is better than our way. And the peace of God is better than anything this world has to offer. In the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, amen. We remember that the method through which Jesus gave us peace was through death and crucifixion on a cross. And on the night in which he was betrayed, he took bread and he broke it, said, this is my body which is broken for you. Whenever you eat of it, do it in remembrance of me. When the supper was over, he took the cup. He gave thanks to you, Father, said, this is my blood of the new covenant poured out for you and for many for the forgiveness of sins whenever you drink of it. Do it in remembrance of me. And so, Lord, pour out your Holy Spirit on us gathered here and on these gifts of bread and juice. Make them be for us the body and blood of Christ so that we can be for the world the body of Christ redeemed by your blood. Holy Spirit, come give us peace. Holy Spirit, come and break these lies that we tell ourselves. Come and uh, deliver us from the bondage of the evil one. Lord, deliver us. Give us freedom, give us hope, give us restoration, reformation. Come and restore our hearts so that we can live in peace with you. As we say the prayer that your son taught us to pray, our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us and lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen.